You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. This is Fired Up NFL Draft with your host, Daniel Gary and Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, a week ago, I was in Dallas, stuck after my flight got canceled, but now I'm finally back home, and that feels good. But uh, I'm excited to recap the Senior Bowl again. It was a very fun time. Uh, a lot of interesting guys to get into. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what we are starting on the defensive line, where it was just a absolutely standout group, just a fantastic, fantastic uh, senior bowl group on the defensive line let's start on the interior here i mean i really think if you're talking purely interior defensive line the there's three guys that are really ahead of the rest of the group here uh Perion winfrey Devonte wyatt and uh travis jones travis jones yeah 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 i think they really show themselves a bit to be a bit ahead of a guy like a uh, Fedarian Mathis who would be in that next tier. Um, so let, let's hit on these interior guys first, who really stood out to you and why? I would say though, we do have, like, you were right. We have to start with those three. For me, I think my favorite was Travis Jones, who I watched when I was in the airport uh, going to the senior bowl. So then when I watched him practice, it was like, okay, this guy is like the truth basically. And I would say you can make the argument. He was the best defensive player there because I don't think anybody stopped him, even Zion Johnson, who had probably the most success, who's probably the best guard there. And he, they, they battled back and forth. It was like Godzilla and Mothra, but this was the only guy really giving Zion a ton of problems. Uh, he showed a lot of pass rush moves from the nose tackle position, which is pretty uh, unique. And he was very stout against the run, obviously, like extremely powerful, um, surprisingly quick for a guy that's 6'4, 326. But, you know, a, a massive dude who's, you know, teams are going to talk a lot about Jordan Davis. And if you miss on him in the first round, this is kind of your consolation prize, I would think, in a second round. Yeah, for sure. And uh, again, you look and he's just he's not going to be the most well heard of person just because he played at UConn. But the, the tape is there. The physical tools are there. And he absolutely showed it against a higher level competition at the senior bowl. Uh, uh, for me, I really liked what I saw out of Perry on Winfrey as well. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. he is a guy that his name's kind of cooled off a bit since the summer. He was a more or less consensus second guy behind Liao going into the year. Um, and I think, I think that I don't, think the gaps widened i just think a guy like jordan davis has jumped ahead i think a guy like a travis jones and like a devonta wyatt are right up there with him but i think perry and winfrey obviously what i liked seeing was the fact that he's not in that atrocious 
Oklahoma defense anymore playing out position. He got to play as a pen trading free tech more. And I really liked what I saw. I think he still has development to do. I thought it was pretty obvious. Like you said, he, he wasn't the one that was giving Zion Johnson problems. That was, uh, that was Travis Jones, but he was doing a pretty good job at the things that you would expect him to be good at immediately. I still think there's a lot of hand technique that he needs to improve. And I thought you saw glimpses of that, but I thought he had a pretty good senior bowl week. Yeah. I mean, he won MVP of the game to finish off the week. Uh, unfortunately got his Jersey and trophy stolen, which yeah. sucks, but yeah, I mean, he was the other one who popped, especially on the second and third day, once he got a little more comfortable and, what the thing we talked about when we talked about the defense interior defensive lineman is just how explosive he is off the ball. And like you said, now that he's not in the Oklahoma defense, where he's playing as a head up nose tech, a nose tackle on the center. And he doesn't have to like slant in all these weird directions. He can just be, he was a pure three tech the whole week and was just to get by the guy and get in the backfield. That's what he's fantastic at. So like you said, you know, there's some room to grow, but the physical tools, both in terms of speed, explosiveness and strength, like he was, you know, bullying people in the pass rush game. I, I've, I've, this is one of my favorite reps of the week was when he went up against Nick Zakel, which is the guard from Fordham and beat him to the outside with kind of a, a more of a rip move, uh, kind of uh, pushing Zakel's hands away and beat him to the quarterback pretty quickly. And then basically told Zakel to get back in line and get the smoke again. And then just bull rushed him about five yards right into the quarterback's lap. <laughs> it was just the meanest thing I've ever seen done to anybody on a football field, especially during practice. Um, but yeah, I, like you said, like he has all, he still has upside to grow because he's relatively new to, you know, like big time football. Like he's only, was only at Oklahoma for yeah, junior college player. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, you've got all the, uh, great ball of clay to mold there for a, uh, a, a, a creative defensive line coach, ideally in a four, three scheme. Yeah. And he was tied for the lead in sacks on, on the day at the actual senior bowl game. Also had uh, two sacks, three tackles for loss, five total tackles. Um, just a very, very good performance out of him and really could not ask for better. And that production is just really impressive coming from an interior guy. You just do not see that. And I, I think he has that type of upside like we talked about. He is a good upside pick in the second round if you're looking for a three-tech. Um, anyone else in this defensive tackle group stand out? Um, you mentioned Devonte Wyatt. He's pretty, he's like, a, just a slightly better version of Fedarian Mathis to me, but he had a very good week in terms of playing with power as a, you know, three at three tech, four I tech. So he'll be interesting there. The guy that I thought was really interesting kind of going down the roster was Eric Johnson. The second, who was a call up from the NFL PA bowl. He's out of Missouri state. He's six, four, three Oh two. And was a really fun three tech player. Uh, he was just breaking out like spin moves and just like kind of kind of like Perry or uh, Perry and Winfrey, just uh, you know maybe not as explosive or not as refined, but re big player, really fun. Uh, it kind of reminds me of David Onyemata uh, for the Saints. You know that three tech that can do a lot of things, uh, especially if you kind of re reduce him further inside on passing down. So he's another guy that I'd look for on day three. That you know in a few years could be a pretty uh, important player on somebody's team. Yeah, um, I, th that moves us to the uh, defensive end edge players. I think you have to start with a guy that didn't play 
Didn't end up finishing out all the practices, but was just absolutely dominant when he was practicing. And that's uh, Jermaine Johnson uh, out of Florida State, transfer from Georgia. He was pretty good, pretty productive at Georgia, transferred for a bit more uh, opportunity, and he definitely took a huge leap on film this year. And then he backed it up at the Senior Bowl. And Really, when you're looking at these senior bowl guys, you just want them to show the same stuff they showed on tape. You're not necessarily looking for more or less. You just want them to be consistent from tape to the senior bowl. And, man, he he showed the same stuff that he was showing against anybody in the ACC. He was doing it to these guys at the senior bowl. He, was, he has impressive Ben. He has – good power. I think he's an all-around good player, and I think he has a real shot to be the fourth edge off the board. Yeah, I agree. I said, I think midway through the second day of practice when it was pouring rain, I said, Johnson just needs to go home. Like, he doesn't need to be here anymore. Yeah, like, need further <laughs> injury. Yeah, he did tweak something, and then he sat out the next day of practice, and I think it didn't heal as well as he hopes we didn't play in the game. But yeah, I mean, he was just on a different level than anybody else there, which is saying something considering there are some good offensive tackles there, but yeah, for me, like I even, I think there he's in contention possibly to, I think fourth edge is a good place to slot him, but like, I think I like him more than I like David Ojabo because Johnson's a little more refined as a pass rusher, even though that's where Ojabo is surprisingly good, but Johnson is also very trustworthy in terms of as a run defender, which is something Ojabo is not. And with Johnson, you know, he transfers from Georgia to Florida and Florida state. And it's not like it's because, you know, he's, you know, not getting playing time because he's not a good enough player. Like that defense obviously had guys like Trayvon Walker, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith, uh, even Quay Walker, because they had him as an outside linebacker, a decent, uh, a decent number of plays. So it's not really, or uh, even, um, Oh, Azizo Jalari, you know, all those guys that just are, yeah. they're kind of rotating them in and out. So he couldn't get time as a full-time starter. So he's like, I'll go somewhere where I can shine. I mean, he won AC defensive player of the year at Florida state had tons of sacks, tackles for loss, everything. And I was really impressed by him uh, in terms of other players. Uh, the, the one I would say that I was sad that didn't play because he got hurt early on the first day was Cameron Thomas, the edge out of San Diego state who plays a kind of a, a bit of a weird defense. So I want to see him play a little more traditional role and see if he had the athleticism to stick with these guys. Uh, and the other guy who really shown out in the game was Boye Mafe, the edge rusher from Minnesota, who uh, I think will start his career as a designated pass rusher, uh, given that he's very explosive. He's very bendy. He has some pass rush moves. He's a little, needs a little work in the run game. Uh, he's a little undersized. So I think he fits as a, as a three, four outside linebacker, but I think you draft him, you know, in, mid to late day two and you, you know, slowly work him into the lineup. And by the end of his first season, he should be a, a regular contributor on your defense. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you there. I think he was pretty impressive. And another guy I wanted to shout out, there were a lot of solid performance out guys we expected, but uh, someone that's been a little bit under the radar that I thought performed pretty well in practices was Sam Williams. He's another one of mm -hmm. these call up guys um, as well. He was NFL PA as well. Correct. Yes. And he, like you said, like late addition, but I mean, and he looked very fresh, like he hadn't, like you hadn't been practicing for a little bit. So he looked good. Uh, and he's kind of, the, he's kind of a similar, a similar boat for me in terms of his role, because if he has that burst and explosiveness, um, the problem with Williams is that he has all that talent, but he's got a, a pretty decent suspension and an off field incident, which I, it's not as bad as some other players in this class, but it could give some teams some pause. So that's something to consider when talking about Williams. Yeah, for sure. And 
that that was a big talking point i know especially in the summer if uh when he was brought up as this mid-round type of guy third fourth round range uh it was definitely talked about then it hasn't really came up a ton yet but i would assume throughout this draft process it will be a bigger talking point as he his talent is good enough to make him rise up boards a little bit become that third round type of player and i think that that's when that will become a bigger point um anyone else here uh stand out to you at the edge position wanted to shout out my jay sanders i don't believe in the game yeah he had a half of a sack but he, he did a very very good job i thought of uh of really set, getting some bend which is something that i worried about i thought he was more bendy than i had anticipated and i thought he did a good job of getting the edge against a couple of these tackles on some pass rush reps and forcing quarterback to move up into the pocket i thought that was something that I had concerns about with him. And I thought he showed an ability to bend. Yeah, I agree with that about uh, Sanders. I thought he also did pretty well against the run, which was surprising for a guy with his frame. But I mean, honestly, like I think really every edge rusher had a good amount of good plays this week, this last week, which is, that's kind of the story. Uh, the one guy I really want to talk about though is D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky, who, came to this game, you know, he's 6'3", 235 pounds or so, and he's a two-time Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's fifth all-time in career sacks in NCAA history, so the production is all there, but, you know, he's pretty small, he's pretty he's pretty lean, can he play the run? And he was fantastic against the run as a, you know, outside linebacker and a hand in the defensive end, so I'm not sure he's going to play there all the time in the NFL, but he showed he can do it successfully. And then of course he has all the pass rush ability in the world. So I was very impressed by him that he was able to come to the senior bowl and look the part against guys that are going to be NFL starters. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I thought this edge rush group was fantastic. Moving on to linebackers. I was fairly disappointed, I guess would be the right word for this group. I expected a bit more out of uh, Muma. I expected uh, just a, a little bit more. It's not that they were horrific by any stretch of the imagination. I just expected more out of these guys. I thought we had a lot of third-round type players, and they performed just a little under expectations. I thought overall – I think one of the best things, the most impressive things was a guy like Troy Anderson just mm -hmm. being not only productive and athletic, but athletic at 242 pounds. Mm -hmm. I, I thought I thought he was going to weigh in a bit lower than that. I thought he was going to be in the 230s. He hit that 240 mark and he was still just as athletic as he showed on tape. And I think that's very impressive. And I think we could see him rising up boards after this week and after uh, Montana state film becomes widely available, which uh, who knows when that that's will a, be. That's a dubious proposition, but yeah, Anderson, he was one of my favorite players the whole week, just because I love his story of, you know, going to Montana state and beginning his career as a two-way player, running back and linebacker then playing wildcat quarterback for a whole year and basically being a starting quarterback and then moving back to linebacker and then finally 
a staying linebacker winning defensive player of the year in the FCS this season. And I think he, I think he's a, he was all first team, all conference every season as when he played. And I think he's like first in all time career rushing yards uh, at Montana state, even though he played, he only played on offense for two seasons, which is insane. Uh, but yeah, he looked absolutely incredible. Like he was moving just as fast as guys like Brian Asamoa, uh, Jojo Doman and Terrell Bernard, who are 20 pounds lighter than him. And he brings a wallop too. And, you know, sometimes his eyes kind of took him the wrong way, but you know, again, he's relatively new to the position, especially at this level, but he got better every day. He was great in coverage. He was great stopping the run. You know, I, I, you mentioned Muma. The other guy that is kind of in that range is Darian Beavers, the linebacker for Cincinnati, who I like a lot, but you know, the problem, and I mentioned this on another show is that it, this just isn't a great event for linebackers because every, every drill, everything is basically designed for the purposes of them getting cooked in coverage. And luckily in run defense, they had the help of having an awesome defensive line groups. They looked good in that, but then, you know, the one-on-one drills, they're designed to get beat. The only time they can really show out is if they're doing uh, blitzing drills against running backs and one-on-one. And, you know, Beavers was good in a lot of that stuff. He's not the best, you know, man coverage defender, but we kind of knew that going in. With returning to Anderson, I I think that he's elevated his stock to where he could be in that conversation with Muma and Beavers at the end of the second, early third round, where something might be like, hey, like, this guy's an incredible athlete. He can do everything. He's really smart. He learns quickly learns well let's bet on him and you know you could be getting a, a big reward at begging at a guy like that at a relatively low price and i'm right there with you with anderson i think he can be in that muma beavers range and honestly i think i think if it's most teams will probably end up with anderson ahead of beavers i i'm just going to assume that he provides a lot more athleticism and i think beavers is a very uh scheme dependent player i think he has to to maximize himself i think he has to be in you brought it up before in that belichick type system so i i think anderson just provides a lot more versatility in terms of how he can be used and maximized so Again, I think he was the most impressive player here. I, again, if I, he's a safety technically, but he plays a lot in the box and especially did at Baylor, Petre, I thought mm-hmm. he was very, very impressive because he mm-hmm. could be a guy who's more of that hybrid type. So I wanted to kind of bring him up in here as well as just a guy where, yeah, he's technically a safety, but some team could use him in a similar role to what they would use a Jojo Doman. And I think he was significantly better this week. Yeah. The one NFL person I talked to brought up Petrie's name. So I think he's going to be a hot commodity, especially with how teams are kind of changing their defense to have obviously more uh, defensive backs in the field, but you need them to come downhill and fit the run. And that's something Petrie can do in terms of converted safeties. I also want to shout out Tariq Carpenter, the, uh, former safety now linebacker for Georgia Tech. And I want to mention him because for a guy that ostensibly kind of played over a similar role to Petrie and maybe even a more safety type role, he looked very natural playing in the box and fitting the run. And for a guy that's kind of transitioning into that role to look so competent doing that kind of off the jump, I was very impressed by that. The other ones I want to mention is DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker from Appalachian State. Just really solid week. Um, 
covered guys out of the backfield really well was the Mike calling the defense a lot of plays. And that's impressive to me because there's a lot of like top talent SEC guys there. And he's the one like taking charge of the defense. I like to see that. And the one disappointment for me was Channing Tindall from Georgia who, and this is again, kind of how you started the linebacker conversation is that it wasn't that he was bad. He just wasn't as great as I'd hoped. Like he looked fast, of course, but there wasn't much beyond that, to be honest. Yeah. I I thought, Again, this was just a case where a lot of these guys performed just a tad under expectations. And when everyone does it, it's not great. Mm-hmm. It, it's okay when you, usually you have a few of these guys that underperform. And obviously, it's going to be tough. They're only having three days of practice. In those practice, they're doing new, different things than what they would normally do. And that's the main portion of what we're looking for. But Again, they they disappointed in practices. They didn't even perform all that great in the game. We knew they won in the game. It's not a great game for linebackers. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they were disappointing in practice as well is a pretty tough situation. Moving on to corners. I know he started off the week probably worse than anybody else at the Senior Bowl. But do I really, really think it's a huge deal that Roger McCurry has insanely short arms? No, eh, because because like, he was really good the whole week. Yeah, he, like, and, yeah, like yeah, they're twenty nine and a quarter. I get it. I, there's you can still be good under twenty nine, okay. under thirty inches. You can still be good. It's more difficult. You're going to have to make up for that in some ways. But I think McCurry is the type of athlete that he can do that yeah no question like he looked really fast the whole week was very sticky man coverage and they played him uh outside and in the slot a good bit so he showed that versatility and they also actually asked him to play a decent amount of zone for like the first time in his career because when he went to auburn i think he was originally wide receiver then they flipped him as a freshman and they basically just said go play press corner he's done that for his whole career so this is the first time they're really asking him to drop into zone and he looked i I know he did he was a safety as well in high school. Okay. Um, but oh, yeah, oh, he was right. recruited as a receiver. Yeah. So, you know, I guess he's kind of hearkening back to that training. So that makes a little more sense, but yeah, I'm not worried about McCurry at all. Um, there's plenty of teams that like to run, you know, that press man scheme still. So, and I know some of them care about the arm length, but if you just put on the tape for McCreary, you know, he's playing the sec he's playing the best he can and he's, been really good against them for multiple seasons so i'm not worried about it at all yeah and, and if you look you say who's successful under 30 inch arms and you're really worried about that measurement people that are successful under 30 inch arms are are nickels you, you mm-hmm. if you're a team that's worried about the arm length then just consider him a nickel because he was pretty good at nickel this week yeah mm-hmm. like, exactly like worst comes to worst that's the situation i i'm completely comfortable with him being a nickel and I think he'll go higher than any team that would view him like a nickel, just because obviously an outside corner is going to be more valuable. But again, I think the arm length isn't as big of an issue as some people make it. It's not, it's not yeah. Kenny Pickett with the hand size. Yeah. I think, I think you treat him like you treat an offensive tackle with probably with the simulation of having short arms, try them a tackle. If it really doesn't work, kick him to guard. And I think you just do the same with Curry. Try him outside. I think it will work. And if it on the off chance, it doesn't 
kick him inside and he's going to be really good at racing slot receivers. Uh, in terms of other cornerbacks that I liked, I thought a Caleb Evans from Missouri was extremely physical, which I liked a lot. Uh, might get him in trouble in the next level. Uh, let's see, Tariq Woolen, the long, the tall, long corner just from UTSA. Insane, like fast too. And yeah, and then not even just fast, but he was remarkably fluid for a guy of that length. Because when you think of corners that are that big and that long, typically they're a little stiff uh, and struggle with their fluidity. And that was not the case with Woolen. He looked extremely athletic for a guy of that size. So I was talking with about this with somebody else, and. Uh, if he basically is a story that's almost identical to Richard Sherman and I don't see a team passing on him because he's a bigger, longer, more athletic version of Richard Sherman. And as I said, if nation Wright can go in the end of the third round, then Tariq will and absolutely can as well. Yeah. And I think he has a lot better film. Than yes, Wright. exactly. Obviously you need the team like, like the Cowboys that want specifically that type of corner, but there are still a lot of teams that run a cover three heavy scheme. And I believe he was the fastest top end speed of any player at the senior bowl over 22 miles an hour Yep. in game. Mm-hmm. Well, in practice game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was just the fastest guy on the field at the top end speed of anybody. So I think he was very, very impressive. I, I thought flipping over to the other side, again, not the best group, but I thought, there were flashes of a late round guy in Gregory jr. I thought he showed some glimpses. It wasn't great, but I'm really trying to pull out something out of this team. Obviously Kobe Bryant was pretty good. Yeah. Kobe, I would say Kobe Bryant, Tariq Castro fields were probably the most consistent uh, like man coverage defenders uh, national team. Yeah. Yeah. And with them, it was good because you really just didn't hear their names that often in terms of getting targeted. Like they just locked down their guy and did the work. And that was good. I, I, I think I disagree with you on junior because there were a lot of reps, right? And I saw him and I'm like, he's not an NFL player. He's just too slow. He gets, he gets grabby when he gets beat and he's not overly big. Like I said, not overly athletic. So I, I didn't really like what I saw. So I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I'm looking at him as, in terms of comparing him to Watson and Williams, I think hmm. I'm not comparing him to the rest of this class. Okay, I don't. Enough. Yeah. I I'm just looking specifically at this national team roster. Gotcha. You take out the top guys. And I think of the next ones, I think it's between him and Mathis for. Yeah. And Mathis wasn't that great either. Yeah, and they moved him I, to nickel too. And it wasn't very inspiring, which is kind of disappointing, but yeah, I think everybody I honestly think everybody on the American team would have been the third best corner at a minimum on the <laughs> national team. If yep, we're just looking about... at the Yeah, Rockets. that sounds about right. Yeah. And moving on to safeties now. Um, this was our, our, our brand guys were, uh, were showing out <laughs> down at Mobile. It was great to see. Yeah, it, I I love Leon O'Neill. I don't care. I don't care if other people are going below. Or I was having a discussion, and like he's just athletic and physical enough. Where worst comes to worst, he's an outstanding special teams player. Yeah, and he was he was one of the leaders. You could tell just by the way he was talking, the way he interacted with other players, that he had has that leadership gene. So. You know, if like you said, if at worst he's a special teams captain, you know, maybe a, a nickel safety or 
a like their sixth defensive back. He can fill, he can fit a role. I think he can do more. I think he's a very solid, strong safety. I like him a lot like you. Um, and he, so I liked him a lot. Our other guy, Cam Taylor Britt, uh, the true Swiss army knife on this defense. I think he oh, played, yeah. he played every defensive back position you could ask him to do. And he did pretty well at all of them, but he came in a little smaller than I expected at like five, 10, 200. So, you know, that might kind of relegate him to nickel or safety, but I think he, if anybody go, he kind of reminds me about Cam Sutton for the Steelers who did a lot of that in college and they kind of use him as they need in terms of injuries and guys out of the lineup. So that's what I think of when I, when I watched Cam Taylor Britt, who had a very solid week as a coverage defender. Yeah. To, to be fair to Taylor Britt, we, we preferred him Mm -hmm. to kick inside anyways. So I don't think the size is going to be, if you were a person that likes him more as that safety Mm-hmm. player i think the size isn't as much of a concern it's obviously going to be a concern if you want him to be an outside corner but i just see him more as a guy that can play inside as your safety and i think 510 200 is not exceptional but i think it's adequate it's passable yeah i think the one guy that probably disappointed me the most was Vron mckinley and it wasn't necessarily his fault because he was a late addition yeah and most of what i saw of him was doing one-on-ones in coverage as a cornerback. And I was like, well, this isn't fair. <laughs> like by the time they actually got him in the safety role, I was like, oh, this, this was not a good week for him in only a few days, but I still like him as a good amount as prospect. I felt he kind of got wronged by the process here. Yeah. And again, we touched on him a bit with linebackers. Petre was mm-hmm. outstanding Great. as well. Yeah. Um, believe he led the game that nah, he was second on the team in tackles behind uh, Muma. He yeah, had that five tackles. I mean, yeah, he was just around the ball yeah. all week. Yeah, he was just always there. So, you know, it's for a guy who's relatively smaller, you know, but a, he just has that knack of being there. That's something teams are going to want. Yeah, I completely agree. Anyone else in the safety group stand out to you? I thought Joseph, Kirby Joseph, showed mm-hmm. some flashes as well. Yeah, he's like, you know, your classic tr- uh, true single high free safety. and He looked good doing that. Uh, I thought... Uh, they moved Josh Thompson. There was a corner from Texas and he looked okay. Uh, Tyson Anderson, the slot, he's more of a, he was a slot player for Toledo, but they played him at everything uh, in terms of nickel and both safety spots. And I thought he looked decent. He could be an interesting pick uh, later in the draft uh, for somebody who needs that versatile, like fifth defensive back. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think, I think the safety group, especially a lot of your converts, I thought they performed really well Mm -hmm. i i I don't think the group itself that you went into with just these are safeties was anything exceptional but really a lot of these guys that were moving around playing multiple positions played fantastic Mm -hmm. um moving over to the offensive side ball onto the offensive line we talk about it on the defensive line where these guys are pretty disappointing outside of uh, Zion Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think he has pretty much locked up IOL too. The first yeah, I, true guard off the board. Yeah, and some people say like they prefer him to Kenyon Green, who's an underclassman has played I, a bit more tackle. But I, I'm right there. I think he can be – I think he might be better. I think they're close, but I think he might be better. I think, and I'm one of the biggest Zion Johnson stands in draft Twitter, uh, mostly because we're uh, alumni mates. Uh, but 
I think with Green, you're cut. You at least have a little more room for upside because yeah. at this point in his career, Johnson is a little older. He is what he is. His body is pretty much maxed out because he was when he was in high school and he was playing offensive tackle at 225. And now he's up. Then he played at 265 as a triple option offensive lineman at Davidson, and then is now up to like 310. And he looks rocked up. Like he is at what he's at is probably his max weight. But I mean, like I said, like Jones was really the only one that gave him consistent problems. Uh, and usually every time he had two reps, like if he lost the first rep, he'd come back and win the next one. And as I've mentioned this everywhere I can, he was always one of the first like three players out on the field of practice and always one of the last three to leave. Like, and he, this, there weren't really a lot of natural centers there. So they moved him there despite never having played there. And he was always taking extra snaps at the end of the practice to, you know, get more familiar with the quarterbacks there. So I think teams are going to see that they're going to like that. And yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's probably IOL too. If you're going to keep, yeah, probably going to keep him behind Linderbaum, but really impressive week for him in terms of other guys. Um, a lot of people liked Cole strange, the Tennessee Chattanooga guy who played center. He was really bad on the first day, then kind of picked it up later on. But I don't think I've ever seen an offensive lineman with a thinner butt and thinner legs. So that concerns me. Um, Nick Harris. Yeah, this dude's lighter. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> like they're like his pants were like hanging off him. Like there was they were and granted, they're not wearing full pads or anything, but these yeah. pants were hanging. It was concerning. Yeah. I mean, it's the the thing you run into with these lighter lower body guys is you cannot play them at guard. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to be able to play them at guard. They can be passable centers. Mm-hmm. They're they have no upside to play guard. No. And, and I mean, as a Browns fan, I saw that with Nick Harris. He got absolutely destroyed at guard. It just cannot happen with a guy that light. Um for me, a guy that really stood out, I thought he had I thought he had some I don't I don't necessarily want to say great, but I thought he had some good reps. And that was Max Mitchell. Okay. I, I thought he was pretty good as peaks i thought he had his issues i don't think he's a first round tackle like some no. people are saying i no. don't see that but if you're looking for a guy on day two that can develop under a better strength and conditioning program um try to pull on more weight he's only 299 um pulling some more weight sit him for a year develop him i think this is a guy that can be a pretty solid starting offensive tackle in the league for a while i just think he needs that year to sit but i thought he was fairly good at the senior bowl yeah and i mean louisiana lafayette's been putting dudes in the league for a few years now robert Hunt was probably Kev- the yep. highest drafted i would say yes and then kevin dotson was i think the same year about a, a round or two later um and both well Hunt, they've had their struggles but they've had their moments as well but yeah i mean the the weight concerns me with mitchell and there's still some room to grow with him but he can play all over the line which i think teams will like um and like you said like he's an upside player that you can take and develop um i thought like you said i, I think the tackles for me were more disappointing than the guards um and of the small school guys, I really liked Matt Waletsko, the North Dakota tackle. I thought he moved really well, and he does have the ability to anchor and pass pro, which was nice. If I was going to take a day three flyer on a small school tackle, he'd be the guy. The one thing we probably do need to talk about is Trevor Penning, who 
a lot of people were very excited about because of his propensity for violence. Um, uh, there, if you there wanna, was if you a call propensity for violence. Yeah, and I say that because he, started, he almost he's almost started a fight every day and was just diving at dudes after plays. He almost got Desmond Ritter killed by throwing uh, Isaiah Thomas into the back of his knees during a rep. And I think I think a good amount of teams will like that. You know, there's the saying that, you know, you don't want to have to teach aggressiveness out of people. You want to teach them to kind of hold it back. Penning concerns me because I think he could get him. He's so I think his the number is he had 39 total penalties in his career and 16 as a senior, his final year at Northern Iowa, which is just a crazy number. And essentially with those numbers, you're um, giving up an extra sack every game, which you really don't want. And then in addition, he might get himself thrown out. He could get an opponent thrown out, which would be, you know, that's, that's a bonus, but that's unlikely. And then additionally, like I said, he might throw a guy into your quarterback's legs and take them out. So for me, I, I think Penning probably is going to be a first round pick, but he still is not a perfect prospect in terms of his technique and athletic ability. Like Spencer Brown from last year is a much better athlete than Trevor Penning is. And so he's still got some work to do, but I think some team's going to bet on that. And personally, I wouldn't, but I, I, I can see why. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I wouldn't be the one to pull the trigger on that bet. I just think that not only that over aggressiveness but also the holding concerns i think yeah exactly there's... and all, and that's all the penalties are like holdings or unnecessary roughness so those those are big penalties that will kill drives yeah 10 15 so, yard penalties he's yeah. not getting false starts here yeah exactly like these are and as as you see like you can find the clips of him just like diving on people after plays like just and you you can theoretically coach him to do that but i think that's just how he is like he has that taylor lawan richie incognito ryan jensen mentality which you know, those guys have played in the league for a while, but there is a drawback. Yeah, for sure. And I think the big difference is I don't think he's as talented as those guys. Oh, no, for so, sure. Not. So I think that's where the big difference is. You're, you're willing to take that if those guys are like Pro Bowl caliber dudes, which mm-hmm. all those guys are. Mm-hmm. He's not. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, if we're just to say pure tackles, performance i think i think canard has an argument i've i've heard up and down with him i thought he was all right like i overall i thought this tackle class was very bad yeah none of the none of them had a great none of them had an overly positive week i would say like you know there were plenty of bad plays to go along with some good ones so i think probably one of the guys who had a good chance of having a good week was luke Godeke, but he got hurt on the first day as well so that was unfortunate for him yeah o- overall just a pretty rough week um in terms of guys that were on the other side more disappointing than even uh even the guys we've talked about not performing well filet i just did not think he was very good yeah, he had a lot he, he of. He was con- huge. He's yep. three eighty-seven, oh, yeah. I believe. Yep. But he just was not good. He, yeah, they- he, it's not even an athleticism concern with me. I just think overall, he just his movement is just it's fine for the size, but it's not great. And then his technique is pretty poor, and I don't think he uses his size all that well. Yeah, he's got a get that fixed i think i think he does need to get the weight back down you know he's like you said 387 got to get that back down to like 360 maybe 350 so he can move a little better because 
you know, he had a f- occasionally good reps in pass pro, but there was a few times where he got put in his butt by much smaller defensive ends, which is a problem. And then, you know, he was great as a run blocker, but you know, that's what you expect. You know, he moved piles very well. Um, so yeah, I'm, he, like, like I said, like he didn't have the best week. Uh, yeah. So nobody was overly impressive for me. Nobody kind of locked themselves into being a, a high draft pick in my mind. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I just did not see anybody super impressive out of these tackles. Um, moving on to tight ends. Again, a very similar story to what we said with the linebackers. It's not that these guys necessarily played terribly. It's just that they underperformed a bit compared to their expectations. I, um, I, like, I don't know. There were a few guys that performed. Like I thought, I thought likely was good. Yeah, I thought McBride but, was good, but yeah. I think a lot of these guys that are your fourth, fifth round type tight ends that they have here. I thought those are the guys that just performed a bit under where they should have. I thought like, I wasn't thrilled with Ferguson. I wasn't thrilled with Calcaterra. I thought those are two of the guys. And I think most of these guys that aren't these top five tight ends in this class disappointed at the senior bowl. Relatively. Yeah. yeah, I'll say this about the tight ends. This is something I really appreciated that both coaching staffs did is that they took guys and put them in roles that they weren't necessarily asked to fill in college. So for example, you mentioned Isaiah likely they had him blocking in line a lot. I know he, I know he blocks very well at coastal Carolina, but not very much as an inline tight end. And that was good to see from him. You did the same thing. They did the same thing with Charlie Kohler, who splits out as a slot receiver, even an X receiver at Iowa state. They, and they didn't do it as much with Calcutta, but he did align close to the line of scrimmage and was asked to block. Um, they had some guys like Daniel Bellinger, like get out on some routes, do that kind of thing. And I like seeing that because then you get a better gauge of what these guys can do. Guys like Jake Ferguson. I mean, he's a Wisconsin tight end. He's going to play Y in this league for eight to 12 years. And, He'll be very solid. He'll, he'll, he'll do what he's supposed to. Uh, the guy that I was really impressed by was Greg Dulcich, the tight end from UCLA. I thought he was probably the best tight end of everybody. I thought he blocked quite well. He caught the ball really well. He's exceptionally fluid running his routes. And I think if a team misses out on Trey McBride on day two, come back in day three, get Greg Dulcich. And I think he'll be more than happy with the results. Um, I thought Jeremy Ruckert had a very nice week before getting hurt. I think he kind of reminded people of his existence and he's again, he's kind of an upgraded version of Jake Ferguson, you know, a little bit of a, maybe about the same, maybe a little better blocker, better athlete, better receiver in space. So, you know, that's a bit of a different player, but you know, if you, if you're a team like the like the Jets that really needs to kind of revamp your tight end room, you can get him on day three and be like, all right, this is our new Y tight end. So yeah, I thought I don't think he'll last till day three. Oh, sorry. I meant, I meant round three. Yeah, I meant round okay. three. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so I thought this group was quite good. I, I, the, the Trey McBride thing is really interesting because he looks in terms of just his legs a lot smaller than I expected, but he just does everything really well. And I'm kind of wondering based on his build, like he's going to go higher, but you know, can he be a George Kittle type? And I think, yes. Okay, which is a tight, lofty comparison, tight, right? Tight, <laughs> yeah, tight, right? tight. Okay. It's, yeah. I'm not, I'm not. I, I think that they can do a lot of the same things, but he is that type of player because you know Kittle when he came out, it was almost more of a fullback in terms of his size, yeah. and I think McBride is that same way because he is, he's not, you know, a crazy, not like a Travis Kelsey receiver type athlete, but he can do some slot stuff. He can align in the backfield, in line, you know, do all kinds of blocking stuff and be a 
good receiver, but he's not going to, you know, go out and win on dig routes as an X, but he can do almost everything else that a normal tight end would do. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, again, I thought McBride and likely were the two best guys with uh, going into the game in terms of my pre uh, pre senior bowl expectations, obviously with uh, Ruckert getting hurt. Um, but yeah, I thought Dolchich was very, very impressive throughout the week. And again, these are guys, I think the only person that didn't have a catch on these teams, I don't believe Bellinger had a catch and I don't think Ferguson did. If I'm, I feel like I feel like Ferguson did. I know Trey Barry didn't, but he was a late addition yeah. as well. Um, and Bellinger, I actually have a few DMs from his dad, uh, uh, chortling me for saying his son wasn't that good. But I thought his son, I thought he was a good blocker. I just don't think he offers much upside as a receiver, which is kind of your standard San Diego State tight end rhetoric. So, you know, I, he's just not, he doesn't present like I would rather have a guy like Jelani Woods who, you know, is that crazy size, crazy athlete in terms of guys that might be around the same draft range. Yeah. And it just depends on what you're going to be looking for. Cause I, I could see Bellinger going in and being um, Luke Farrell. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, for sure. But, but if, if, if you're getting Luke Farrell, <laughs> where are you drafting that? Yeah. yeah Fifth exactly. round, sixth round. Like, exactly. Exactly. Just not, not very exciting for me. No. No, I, and then moving on to receiver, um, <laughs> there's one guy to stand out here. It's Christian there, Watson. There's two, but but the yeah. the number oh, one yeah. is Christian Watson for yeah. sure. I mean, he was it, it, him and Jermaine Johnson were far and away the best players on the field uh, during practices, without a doubt. Yeah, and l- looking back in terms of the game, he didn't do a ton after the first quarter really but like he was just so impressive i know they tried to get him uh one late uh watching the broadcast of that uh daniel jeremiah was just begging for him to get get (laughs) deep shot at the end of the game come fourth quarter uh but uh they tried i believe he drew a pass interference on it that Uh, works yeah and (laughs) pass interference in the end zone so it it works out just the same. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I thought he was between practice and the game, just the most impressive of these receivers. Um, I'll just, I'll just, I just want to say like a few more things about like for a guy that's six, four to 10, he, they sh- people like that shouldn't be able to move as fluidly no. as he did, like off the line in and out of his routes after the catch. And he was an all American kick returner and the FCS for North Dakota state at six, four, two, 10, which is insane. And I mean, they got on the ball as a running back in the backfield. They give it to him on jet sweeps on screens. Like this guy, you know, it's the Stefan meme. He can do everything. And I was thinking about this, you know, there's kind of a drop off after there's like the, fr- there's like the top tier of wide receivers, you know, those like six or seven guys that everybody's kind of saying, okay, they're first round or like French first round. And then you have like, maybe like, uh, like a John Mechie or a David Bell. And after that, it's a little confusing. And I think there's a good chance that Watson could be that, I guess it would be like wide receiver nine or 10 and be go in the second round because 
he offers such a dynamic skill set that I think, and that'll be around the playoff teams. Like in the, they need like a team, like the Buccaneers, like imagine him lining up across from Mike Evans. I think Watson's actually from Tampa. So that'd be a homecoming for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was incredibly impressive. The other guy take away reps from Scotty Miller. <laughs> the other guy I wanted to mention who I thought was the other standout was Calvin Austin, the third from Memphis, who despite yeah. his, despite his stature at five, seven, one seventy three, which was actually a surprising pretty good. His, yeah. For his, yeah. Yeah. And he, I said this to a lot of you, like, you know, people would say, Oh, he's small. Just press him. And it's like, well, you can't press what you can't touch because nobody could get a hand on him at all. And he had some drops, so that's not great, but you know, he'll, that's something you can work on, but it was just insane how fast he looked and just a, a different level of speed than almost anybody else on the field and a, a surprisingly good route runner. So he knows how to use his speed to find holes in the zones and get separation against man there was one rep where he was asked to back to block backside against jermaine johnson which i yeah. consider reporting to the geneva convention for a war crime uh because that shouldn't be allowed yeah no that that's that was rough uh i i do want to hit on um christian watson is an actual 6-4 player unlike jalen tolbert who was <laughs> listed as such by south alabama and is 6-1 yeah bit of a bit of a difference yeah, I would I would argue that I mean Danny Gray got that same thing. I think he was listed at six two, came in at five eleven. Uh trying to see if anybody else had that problem. Not as many other people, but yeah, I thought Tolbert was a little disappointing. Uh just a good amount of drops. Uh didn't run a ton of interesting routes, most just deep routes. So he disappointed for me. I thought Romeo Dubs from Nevada was quite good. Uh very, very nuanced route runner for a guy who's six two, two oh four. So I liked him a lot. Uh one of my favorite personal guys was Trey Turner out of Virginia Tech, who you know, isn't the biggest, isn't the fastest, you know, isn't the greatest athlete, but just does everything really well, runs really nice routes. I think he caught everything thrown his way. You know, he's going to be a good wide receiver three or four for some team. Um, is there any of these other guys to hit on? Uh, wide receivers, I would, I, I think Khalil Shakir disappointed a little for me, but yeah. he was still okay. Um, and I still really like him. I think that in terms of, uh, Velas Jones disappointed me a lot. He had a lot of drop problems. Uh, the Ole Miss guys were pretty disappointing as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and I said, I thought Ontario Drummond was a guy who had a ton to gain and I mm-hmm. don't think he did. Yeah. Well. He had a, he had a weird week cause he would have some really great plays and then just back then like back them up with some bad ones. Uh, Bo Melton had a good week too, kind of a bigger, but not as crazy explosive or fast. Uh, Calvin Austin does a little bit of everything as well. Yeah. Um, so it was a returner, I believe for them yep. as well. Yeah. They used him as a returner a lot. So that'll add some value for him. Um, overall, like nobody really dominated, but you know, this was definitely the second and third, perhaps even fourth tier of receivers in this class. Uh, so you kind of expected that, especially with the corners playing decently well and the quarterbacks having a pretty rough week. So aside from, you know, the big guys we mentioned that had exceptional weeks, nobody was really dominant. Yeah, moving on to running backs. Oh man, it feels great. <laughs> you're uh, toting, you're, it's that meme, or the, I know what the movie it's from, but uh, it's the meme where the guy like unfurls the scroll and it rolls out into the like House of Commons or whatever. This is you and your Damian Pierce receipts. <laughs> yeah, we're here. He was easily the best running back here. And I got some other receipts to pull out from last podcast when we talked about the fullback position here. Yeah. Yeah. I was Connor wrong. Hayward, man. He was, and he was I'm, impressive. I, I should, I should be ashamed considering I turned my back on Cam Hayward's younger brother. Uh, 
Yeah, Jeremiah Hall was very disappointing. I'm not going to lie. He had a good amount of drops, missed some blocks, disappointed, whereas Connor Hayward did everything really well. So I'll, I'll eat crow there. I'm happy to – I'm very happy to eat crow on Yeah, that. no, he – he. I thought he was impressive, and I think that's a guy who, you know, not, not every fullback is going to get drafted out here, but I think Connor Hayward's a guy that will. He's worth it, absolutely, yeah. for a team. Yeah, like if, you know, let's say like Miami wants to get in on that because they have Mike McDaniel now and they need that do-it-all fullback, that's Connor Hayward. So yep, I, I, totally I completely agree. I think he'll be a perfect fit down there. Any mm-hmm. of these guys that are these new – Shanahan system coaches like mm-hmm. Minnesota. Well, they have CJ Ham. Yeah, he's not yeah. as he's not as versatile, but he's 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 he, a, damn he's good a good back. run blocker for sure. Yeah, he just yeah. I just think if yeah. they're looking for that guy who can go out into routes more, yeah. Hayward is a better fit for that. Yeah. Um. Any of these teams that got a new Shanahan coach will be looking mm-hmm. for a guy like Hayward. Um. Back to the running backs again. I think Pierce was the best. I I thought. Outside of Pierce, the national running backs were better. Uh, I don't have the teams left, so remind me who was the, which group that was. Jerome again. Ford, Rashad mm-hmm. White, Abram Smith, mm-hmm. Tyler Beatty. Yep, that was that was far and away all I liked what all those guys did. Like like so, we'll start with Pierce, like you said. I so I'll say this about all the running backs. I thought they were all good. I would say none of them were dominant or great, and I would say that because I thought that none of them were great in all three aspects of playing running back in running the ball, catching the ball and pass protecting. So Pierce, great running the ball, great pass protecting, had some issues catching the ball, mostly because it was weird throws and he had some drops, but so I'll forget that. Um, Tyler Beatty looked fantastic running and catching the ball, but he's five, seven, less than 200 pounds. He's not going to pass protect. But I said like, he reminds me of Darren Sproles, the way he hides behind his lineman and then just pops up out of nowhere. Uh, Rashad White, um, had a great week in practice, had and he busted a few runs too, an outside zone in the game. And I really like him as a, you know, kind of your Eli Mitchell this year's version, where if you get him on one of those Shanahan teams and just tell him, Hey, go run outside zone, you know, hit the cutback, you're gone. Cause he's, and he's got, he's another guy like Pierce who has very light tread on the tires only has, I think 300 career touches in FBS. So I liked him a lot. And Avery Smith probably had the best game of all these people. And, uh, you know, and he wasn't yeah. spectacular. Especially catching out the backfield. Yeah, which is something he didn't do a ton of during practice. So I was very surprised to see that. So, again, another late day three guy that, you know, something will find him and he can fill a role. Um, I'm trying to think who was. Oh, and then Ford was Ford was very good in the week. He just had to leave because he's uh, he had a baby daughter on Saturday during yep. the game. So he uh, skipped the game, which very fair. But I thought he looked very good running the ball, especially one of the few guys that looked better. Uh, running gap power schemes you know really good vision good contact balance to kind of just follow his blockers then get into the second level so yeah that group was a lot better i would say yeah and 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 on the american team i was pretty disappointed in brian robinson i yeah i was not impressed and one of my issues is he's tall is he too tall because he runs pretty upright and yeah, he 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 kind of returned to the less exciting version of TJ Yeldon that I yeah made he, mention of he earlier. Just might be too upright and too tall when he's running, and, yeah. and it's not necessarily the height; it's the fact that he's that tall and runs upright. It's the yeah. combination of the two. I'll I'll say this, and this gives a bit of a blanket for all the running backs is like we said the defensive line was eating the offense alive in these practices so there wasn't much a lot of them could do you know it was was very rare that the off that the running backs would really hit a hole cleanly and get into the next level 
Um, so that was tough, but yeah, Robinson was, wasn't that great. Um, so Quandre white, I think got hurt at some point. He missed yeah, he, would, of he got hurt. Uh, and Devonte price had some nice plays, but I I'm just, I'm not sure. He dropped a ton of weight for this game. I'm not really sure why. Um, so I think I'm not, I'm just not sure that he, he just didn't look as good as any of the backs in the other team. So, you know, a little up and down, especially on the American side. Yeah, and I didn't think Pledger was anything nope. to mm-hmm. talk about. Nope. nope. Um, moving on to the last position here, quarterbacks. Uh, man, I guess we start with the biggest buzz guy. Malik let's, let's start. Willis? Let's let let's get the easy stuff out of the way. Bailey Zappi is not interesting anymore to me uh i do not i do not care about bailey zappy he is every every tiny noodle arm quarterback that has ever come out coming to the nfl draft he's just that guy and i would rather have jack Cohn than him yep (laughs) i might even rather have chase garbers than him to be honest i'm there i yeah i'm not a fan yeah i i thought it was worth the invite just yep, to see, for sure. you know, maybe, maybe the arm isn't as big of an issue. It's an issue. Yep. It's and too big of an issue for him to ever actually play in the NFL. You know, maybe, maybe he's a smart enough guy and a good enough teammate and a good enough leader where he is a Chase Daniels, where he just sits if, on the bench, rides the bench, but he doesn't even have the same arm talent as a Chase no. Daniels. If you got him on like the best Saints teams of the last decade in the dome he might be okay but even then i don't know because it's just like he needs because on the day it was raining all, all the quarterbacks were pretty bad um and i meant i mentioned this about Pickett, like the rain was hurting some of his balls and it hurt zappy a lot and that was even when the rain kind of abated in the second half of the day and it was even hurting his ability to drive the ball through the rain so you know he just doesn't have that arm velocity he doesn't really have the arm talent to be a consistent nfl starter so he is not worth real consideration for me so that's that (laughs) yeah of the five actual quarterbacks in this game um i think carson strong was probably the worst between practices and games um there there were he was up and down not all the practices he was definitively the worst in the game i thought um yeah and again the game had the issue where the quarterbacks were getting (laughs) pummeled (laughs) yeah and and that illustrates take, some of the problem with him. Yeah, yeah. He, he is by far the the least mobile of all these guys. He, yeah. He's not. I wouldn't. I've seen. I I know there's some people that characterize him as a statue. He's not that. Nope. He's just not mobile. He if if the O line's bad, he's not going to be able to do anything. And man, in that game, the O line was terrible. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And he had some, you know beautifully launched rainbows during practice but they were usually pretty inaccurate um so just yeah just just a lot of struggles for strong now now i don't think like if you were to say day one was he the worst quarterback probably not everybody was bad on day one. (laughs) yeah like but if you're looking at day two was he the worst quarterback i don't think so he might have been on day three might have been the worst quarterback there but it's the fact that he's probably fourth maybe third on any of those days where he's not the worst and yeah. it's just yeah, yeah. and I for me didn't think he had the high end that some of these guys had yeah and for me desmond ritter was a little bit that way too in yes. that he wasn't awful 
he was exactly what we have come to expect from Desmond Ritter in terms, and that's not necessarily a good thing in that for a guy who's been a three or even four year starter, the just lack of four year starter, five years in college. Yeah. For to not have the kind of development in terms of his accuracy and ball placement is concerning for me because, and, and it's not, there isn't really something that stands out to you that says, Oh, this is why I did talk to somebody and that we were kind of like going over mechanics and there is a very minuscule issue that maybe if you fix it, it stops the problem. But for me, it was just, that was the whole problem with him this week, just missing guys up high and down low, just not getting balls there properly timed, properly placed. Um, You know, he can, he can at least, you know, create outside the pocket. That's nice. But he also just doesn't have, like if he in the if you compare his arm to the other quarterbacks in the NFL, I would say his arm is average. It's yeah. nothing super special in terms of velocity or distance. So he was pretty even throughout the whole week, but that even was just kind of in the lower tier of guys there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I thought he got better slightly, but yes, throughout yeah, that's the week, true. But like he was still even in terms of where he sat among quarterbacks. Yeah. Um. I I thought. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion about, I think we should just bring it up now, Kenny Pickett not doing the hand size measurement. Um, right. I mean, I mean he gave, he did show the reason with his hand and having the double jointed thumbs. So that that's part of it. And he's going to get it officially reason. done with the combine. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they, I saw a picture, like it is, yeah, very yeah. It, it is, <laughs> it is weird. He does like to get an accurate measurement. Yeah. You need to do some stuff to prepare for that. But what should have known, like, yeah, you know, well, you know, they're measuring. Right. I mean, this is the same thing as Devonta Smith not weighing in at the senior bowl last year, you know, and for me, the bigger concern was on the first day, there were a lot of snap exchange issues, not just with him. And I think that's mostly just unfamiliarity with guys who are new to playing center anyway. So that, that was, but that's something to note on the second day when it was pouring rain, he was wearing a glove and his velocity was noticeably diminished and his accuracy also declined. So again, he played at Pitt for a long time. Fumbles were not necessarily a huge issue, but it's just something to note. And do I think the hands will kill him? No. Do I think it's, I mean, if, if his hands are as small as we're being told eight and a quarter, yeah. that's a remarkable outlier. In and the I believe, um, I believe Lance Zerline did say that that was a verified measurement from the spring. Yeah. So Take yeah, that so, for what you will. Obviously, with the stretching and stuff that he'll do, he will have eight and three, bigger, eight and, eight yeah. and three eights. <laughs> yeah, eight and uh, a half, something like that. I'll, I'll say this, though. Like, he's, you know, he's still a good athlete. He still throws an accurate ball, especially when his mechanics are right. And apparently, he was the best quarterback in interviews with NFL teams there by a wide margin. So, yep. you know, for me... I am going to, I'm going to say this and I'm probably Mike right about, it, I'm going to get in trouble. But for me, he does represent like a diet Joe Burrow in terms of he wins with good accuracy. He's a good athlete. He wins because he's uh, because of mechanics and accuracy, it, it, but he's just not as deadly accurate as Burrow. He doesn't have that elite pocket management that Burrow had. And I would say their arms are about the same. Maybe Pickett's is a little less strong, but you know, like I said, Pickett is just diet Joe Burrow, and then he's a good leader, but doesn't have the spice that Joe Burrow does. Yeah, I I agree. I think what you're going to run into is you, you might have the issue of 
I think at a certain point, a guy with Joe Burrow's physical tools, which we we said Joe Burrow's slightly, like very, very slightly more physically gifted, I would say, than Pickett. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, there's a cutoff where if you're not as deadly accurate and you're if you're not as great of a decision maker and you're not as great at everything else, mm-hmm. there yeah. comes a cutoff where that is just simply not NFL starter level. It's not even where it's, oh, this guy's not going to be a Joe Burrow level guy. It's there's a certain point he's going there. He has to meet Mm -hmm. to even be a starter with those physical tools because there's just going to be a certain point, a cutoff. And I worry if he meets that. I think he barely meets that for starter criteria. My other one is a... Uh, a, a sober Drew Locke fresh off of Tommy John surgery. <laughs> okay. There's um, a lot going on there. <laughs> That's my other comparison. <laughs> but there's, well, let's move on to Sam Howell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam Howell. Um, honestly, <laughs> I, I think it was about what we expected out of Howell. Yeah. A lot of people got on him for not being as aggressive in terms of attempting downfield throws, but. I think he saw, you know, Willis and Strong just airmailing 50-yard passes that were 10 yards beyond their receivers. Like, yeah, I'm just going to hit the check down here, you know, if that's going to look better. And I think, you know, he's a it bit did. of a quiet – Exactly, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's a bit of a quieter guy, so he's going to have a bit of a different leadership style. But I think in today's day and age, when so many teams want to bet on elite traits, like, you know, we'll talk about Malik Willis, a lot of his elite traits, and even a guy like Burrow, whose, like, elite trait is accuracy and pocket management, you know. Howell doesn't necessarily have any of those elite traits. He's, I would say he's good to very good at pretty much everything else. Um, you know, I would say he has, he's like, he is one of those guys where it's like, he's second among this group. He was like second or third in everything. And for, for me, like I am fine betting on the guy in the middle ground because I think he can play right away. And I think that he is not necessarily going to be completely hamstrung if the team around him is bad. And I, but I also think he could suffer from being the type where it's like, he might not be the one that elevates your franchise to, you know, another level. I think he can be a very good starting quarterback, but I'm just not hundred percent sure if he can be that franchise guy. And some teams are like, all right, then he's not the guy. Um, and, you know, I think that I was talking about somebody else, basically like the, the road for Howell to get to a starter is much shorter than a guy like Malik Willis's, but the the road left from starter to elite player is not there for Hal, whereas it might be for a guy like Willis. Yeah, I think a good way to look at Hal is again that in like you said that in between guy. He's in between a Malik Willis and in and a Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. He's he's just that middle ground, like you said. I completely agree, and there's been. The most common comp for him, a lot of it has to do with the stature, Mm -hmm. um, is Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. He has some of the same issues in terms of uh, pocket management. Mm -hmm. It's going to come down to if you're comfortable with that. Because you look at Baker Mayfield, I think Baker may be a little bit better arm, like slightly. But it's not like massive. I think, I think there. Howell has I, a good arm, but like I think, I think Howell has a 
maybe a slightly worse arm, but I think he is more accurate throwing deep. Yes. Because I, if some of his 2020 films, some of his deep throws are pinpoint incredibly yeah. accurate. And I think, I think Hal is going to end up being a better athlete. I think I, th- the way I think of it is I think that if Baker was in the North Carolina offense in college, which is you know, in his last two years, yeah, I and like wouldn't wish those, that upon anybody. Yeah, like I think that if they had basically just swapped places and timelines, like Hal probably would have won a Heisman too. And yeah. Baker probably would have had a lot of the same problems, you know, especially this year when the offensive line was terrible. He lost all of his skill position players. And I think that and I I, th- I think that based on what I've heard and read about Hal, I think he might have a healthier attitude towards overcoming some of the problems that might be in his way. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing in this class. Are, if we take Baker Mayfield's career so far, are we sure that's not QB one anyways? Even I mean, if he I've, does, even if he has the same issues, are yeah. we sure that's not QB one? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I, I would I, argue it would be. I said that if Trey Lance had stayed another year, he'd be QB one in this class consensus. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, he was QB two last year. Anyways, yeah. I know that's a bit high for some people, uh, yeah. for most people, but like, no, I completely agree. This, this class is just, I think Baker Mayfield's <laughs> timeline and outcome is QB1. Yeah. Like, Speaking of uh, quarterbacks that need a redshirt year, let's talk about Malik Willis. Yeah. I I think uh, I saw on Twitter, I forget who said it. Is it Joe Marino? The five it, best throws, five worst throws? Yeah, that would yep. be everybody it. Say, everybody's saying that tweet because it was so it, true on the first day because he's it's just insane what he does. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, again, just a great arm, great running ability. I believe he led his team in rushing yards um, I think in the in game. Tw- in, in, oh, okay. I was going to say, in 2020, he definitely, he was like third yeah, among yeah, all no. quarterbacks in it, rushing. In but... this game, yeah, he had 54 yards leading all players in rushing. I'm pretty sure, and that was on like two scrambles, I think. <laughs> yeah, he had a, a long of 27, so yeah. there's half of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, the thing like the thing with Willis is watching the game. I think I think it was the game where he had one play where he kind of stepped up in the pocket to his left and just flung the ball downfield. And it was kind of underthrown and it was incomplete, but he threw it with absolutely no lower body mechanics whatsoever. 50 yards. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, if you can fix those mechanics, that ball's flying 80 yards. No problem. And I get that. But I I really think he needs that redshirt year because the mechanics are so bad. The processing is bad. The decision-making can be bad. And I think that if you give him that Mahomes redshirt year, I'm not sure that he turns into a fully realized Mahomes or Allen, but I think there's a decently possible outcome where he turns into a very dynamic starter in the NFL. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Honestly, like, I know we hate to say it, um, I, I know he hated this situation before. If you're, if you're like whoever gets Rogers, mm. you draft oh. Malik Willis <laughs> and sit him for two years. I think Rogers would just void the contract and retire. I think he would just retire on the spot. Because um, like if if I'm a team, like I'm like I need a guy that's really good that can play for two years. That's all I again. need. Then again, I, I want two years with Willis drafting love kind of turned, turned Rogers like on his vengeance mode. So yeah, and maybe if yeah, you're a team, no. you want that, you know, you got to keep him motivated somehow, but um, yeah. But like, if he goes to like Washington, like 
and I think this was kind of the situation too. Like you have Ryan Fitzpatrick there, like just keep him sitting because Fitzpatrick knows yeah, so just, much. About you got to make sure you resign Fitzpatrick if you. Draft yeah, Willis. exactly. And I'm, I'm honestly, you, like, whoever drafts Willis just should go out and sign Fitzpatrick. Yeah, or like any other Jameis. veteran. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I don't know. I don't know about that. Eh, like, I don't. I don't want Jameis rubbing off. No pun intended on him in terms of his football intelligence. Are and you sure? Study habits. No, I don't. I don't. Just telling Jameis or having. Willis sitting the guy that is the epitome of the effort receiver down there somewhere and you know can't see linebackers over the middle. I don't want him teaching uh Malik Willis the ways of the NFL quarterback. No, thank you. Uh, I think it would be fun. Or wherever, wherever uh like Jimmy G lands. And like the big thing is like, oh, the Steelers are gonna take him. And firstly, I don't think he gets the Steelers, and I don't think they're gonna trade up to get him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he I mean, I'm sure Jimmy wouldn't be thrilled about it, but or even Detroit, if he's sitting behind Goff for a year you know, just to learn. And I mean, they have, I think it's like Deuce Staley. I think Anthony Lynn is gone now, but yeah, you know, they've got a good, gone. yeah, they've got a good offensive brain trust there that would be able to kind of get him up to speed after a season. So, you know, I, I recognize Willis's physical gifts, but I think that if you start him immediately, that could kind of just completely derail his career and he might turn out into nothing. Yeah. I, I think you just, I mean, what I look at is, the idea it just depends on where he goes if he's Mm -hmm. going to go top 15 i think you're going to have some issues talking a team into sitting him for an entire year if he's a top 15 pick if he falls a bit Mm -hmm. i would love nothing more than a team like indy to trade up Mm -hmm. like like Any of those teams that uh that just have a average to below average starter, I mm-hmm. think I think those are the teams that you need to look at for Malik Willis. I think Washington would be a mistake to draft him and expect him to play right away. I think if you have Fitzpatrick back, it's a good pick. I, I think Pittsburgh, quite honestly, would be a mistake if they don't have a plan. For yep. someone, because let's be fair, he's beating out Mason Rudolph. Well, yeah, no question. Like, like he he is more talented than that. But like, if if, and I would trust Pittsburgh to know, like that that whole staff and that front office. I know Colbert's retiring, but I still trust those guys to be smart enough to understand that they need a guy in there. And I think if they take him, I would assume that they'll bring in a veteran guy with him maybe they don't do it in free agency just because they want to see how the board falls but i mean i mean if if they do that i assume that they will start mason rudolph mason rudolph will get hurt in the second game malik willis will enter the lineup lead them to a 15 and 1 record and you know win two super bowls over the course of his career so if we just want to run it back with that model i'm cool with it i i would not be if that's the outcome mason rudolph uh, is just tommy maddox sounds good to me (laughs) Come on now, don't don't this Tommy <laughs> don't Maddox like the good that. Name of Tommy Maddox like that. <laughs> yeah, that's very unfair to Tommy. He didn't deserve that. Yeah. Uh, last but definitely uh, least, um, specialist man, was I wrong about having Carmado Camardo over Stout? I think in this mm-hmm. one. Uh, congrats to you for getting the punter there, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we pretty much flipped a coin there, but. I mean, also, uh, Stout was a great as a punter in the game. Where he really impressed during the week was doing kickoffs, where he was in the, on the day where it was pouring rain. He was 
booming kicks, 85, 90 yards out of the stadium, or at least off the field into the stands. It was, I've never seen anything like it. It was absolutely crazy. And I, I loved it, but yeah. And then I think Dicker was exceptionally much better than Mevis uh, as the yeah. field goal kicker and Dicker also can do all three jobs, which is a good thing to have. Most teams aren't going to carry a guy who just does all three because they're, they're scared of that. And I couldn't tell you how to evaluate long snappers, except that Cal Adam might just cut his long hair, which really disappointed me. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the game, the uh, Dicker was one for two. Mevis was over one. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> like what you expect. <laughs> yep. I mean, again, I, I don't think these guys are, I don't really think either one is going to get drafted. Like I uh, maybe I think, Dicker. I, I could see Dicker and Stout getting picked. Yeah. Yeah. I meant just for the kickers. Oh the yeah. Pun- yeah punters. You. I can see Stout getting picked. Yeah. yeah. Dicker's yeah. like borderline, maybe a seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really think, I mean, I think the only, the only punter I'm considering before the seventh round is Matt Areza. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's beside the point. Yep. And so that'll do it for us this week. Uh, again, just a really fun group at the senior bowl this year uh, was really great getting to see a lot of these players and a lot of high end players. Again, we talked about Jermaine Johnson. He's going to be a first round guy. We talked about these quarterbacks. We saw some of the top defensive players and I, I think this was a very, very good group. Very, very fun group. Again, defense was the D line was very good. The secondary was good. Thought we had good, solid play out of a lot of these receivers as well. Um, but yeah, I thought it was overall a pretty good week. And uh, yeah, excited to dig into some more film now that the uh, All Star games are over. Get to. Uh, wait for the combine now coming up at uh, the beginning of March. But until then, let's get fired up.